From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk TNT Radio. This is World Stage, exposing the tyrannies and exploring our power with deep dives into history, current events, dangerous trends, and the nature of reality. Before I introduce my guest, I want to tell you about a Substack at josephsansone.substack.com. Sansone, S-A-N-S-O-N-E. Technology, propaganda, and mind control from November 17th. Just a, just a minute about this and get everybody over there to check this out. Government has been in the business of mind control since it government was invented. We call that propaganda. The ancient Egyptians, for instance, would depict their pharaohs winning battles and would omit the lost battles in their records. Naturally, the pharaohs being divine beings, incarnations of Horus, would not want this image tarnished. Julius Caesar pointed out his family lineage to the goddess Venus as a descendant of the Trojan Aeneas. This use of divine authority has been used by all religions as well, especially the priest class. And it goes on to flesh out for us the use of propaganda and mind control by all authority. Authority always must be questioned. And the more we see more people evaluating these types of things from every single angle, we get more certain to the end that we've got the courage to bring these things up with everyone possible, politely, float it, dinner table, at work, and see who is able to respond with having a wonderful uh, conversation with you. And with me this hour is Matt Vaughn, who is and has been a paranormal researcher all his life since elementary school, immersed in shamanistic spiritual practices for almost three decades. And he has had a career in mental health for more than 20 years. He's also a podcaster, a poet, a screenwriter, a member of an avant-garde rock group, and a stand-up comedian who has performed extensively in both Atlanta, Georgia, and Istanbul, Turkey. He's writing a book. It'll come out in early 2024. My Cosmic Trigger. High strangeness in theory and practice about happening so uncanny, they are deemed utterly absurd. I work for, I do marketing for Trine Day Publishing. Who's publishing my cosmic trigger? And I'm very excited and grateful you joined me today. Matt, how are you? I'm good. It's great to get, be here, Bruce. Very excited. Very excited. Shout out to everybody listening live. Indeed, indeed. Tell me about your interest in the paranormal. When did it start? What was it? How did you navigate? Yours, how did you how did it occur to you? Wait, this is popular. Wait, I'm not the only one who's into this kind of thing. Wait, this has a long history as as old as um human history. Talk to me, please, about these things. Okay. Well, one of the ways it started is that I actually saw gnomes when I was on a fifth grade field trip. Of course, I'd always as you said, I'd been researching the paranormal as long as I can remember, quite literally, but I did see gnomes, allegedly, perhaps, when I was on a fifth grade field trip. So this 
when you have those sort of experiences, it, of course, opens your mind to keep searching. With me is Matt Vaughn, who is beginning to describe, who was describing his paranormal uh, interest starting um, from elementary school. What was that like? Just tell me the culture you grew up in, Matt, and what was that like? Well, I grew up in a very uh, fundamentalist Christian background. My, I grew up in Caldwell County, North Carolina. So I grew up with talk of end times, eschatology, the rapture, that sort of thing. And also one of the things that really sparked my interest when I was a young person was the satanic panic, which really got me uh, starting to research. I got in trouble with the school librarian in elementary school because I was trying to find books on Satanism. And there was even there was even a an incident in my school where there was some satanic graffiti and it was it was quite the to do. But it was literally it was really just a kid in my class who was a troublemaker. So what was, the, what of, was I had to. You know, we we participated in that previous podcast with Chris at Trine Day, so I did look up what what's this satanic panic. But for you know, to remind me, for those who don't know, what was the satanic panic? Well, it's a whole it's a whole subset of the paranormal and sort of high strangeness in and of itself. But there was this idea that there were satanic cults that were. Uh, running roughshod across the United States. And a lot of people were putting a good deal of time and energy to researching it, to being worried about it. Of course, the consensus view is that it was all, it was all paranoia. It was all hysteria. Okay. What did, what, if we wanted to kind of cut to the chase, what is high strangeness What's your opinion of its importance to every adult in every culture? And uh, is there anything to be scared of? Wait. Yes, there's always something to be scared of, Bruce. As I like to say. <laughs> there's always something to be scared of. But with High Strangest, even more so. But High Strangest is important because what it shows us and what I'm saying in this book is that reality itself is strange. The very fundamental nature of reality is as weird and crazy as we can imagine. Now, why is that important? Because this is our reality. In order to be productive citizens, to affect change in the world, we must work within the parameters of reality and i'm here okay. to inform people it's very very strange okay i wish okay. it wasn't as strange as i have determined it to be but well I, i'm of a yeah no i i'm of uh, a belief and i thrill to ponder contemplate the nature of reality from every angle that i possibly can given the limits of my intelligence and i would ask you how is it strange? How is it delightful? What's what? How is it strange for someone who's never heard of this before, who maybe you know scoffs at the idea of paranormal? How do you how do you begin to educate that kind of person? 
How is it strange? One of the things I really like to point out is the in the U.S., the Defense Intelligence Agency spent millions of dollars to research the the center of high strangeness in the U.S., which is Skinwalker Ranch. There was a book written about it called Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. So this to me is very much good evidence for us. This is not a frivolous activity. The mm -hmm. military industrial complex is spending a good amount of money to keep their eye on it. What, what happens the there? What was of interest to them there? What happens there? Well, okay. So, so apparently, okay. With high strangeness, the most important thing to remember is that there are window areas. There are certain geographic locations on earth where there are more paranormal activity and skinwalker ranch is one such place where you have cryptid sightings that's like bigfoot and skinwalkers you have ufo sightings you have anomalous happenings such as random things being burned down people losing time perhaps going into other dimensions you said that there are skinwalker sightings Yes, Skinwalker sightings, and also in the book Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, they report something called the hitchhiker phenomenon. Where? Well, wait, wait. What's a skinwalker? Then what's the hitchhiker phenomenon? Skinwalkers are think of it as Native American demons. Native American okay. demons, you could say. So they do not seem friendly. There's your danger element. So you asked about the danger. So here you go, bros. And I'm, I could. This is a good starting off point for the danger, which in high strangeness, there's a fair amount, I must say. So these Pentagon, these government officials report that these skinwalkers or paranormal activity followed them back home and started harassing their families, themselves and their families. Pentagon people who worked at Skinwalker Ranch, a location in our mid, our west, our southwest, maybe, right? Right, correct. Utah. Had had things happen to them when they returned back home that they attributed to. Okay. Okay. Yes. That is what reported. As I like to say, okay. I wasn't there, so I don't okay. know for sure. But No, thank you. No, no, no. no they're reported. Thank you. There are folks who might today be hearing the term high strangers for the very first time. And with these examples, okay, it's these kinds of things. Tell me what you yes. want to tell me next. Or, Matt, tell me, from just reading about these things, where else did your studies take you? And what of a personal nature maybe you've experienced yourself? Well, quite honestly, I know this might sound cliche, but it's true. As I researched this book, I thought I had a really good handle on high strangeness because I've been studying this since I was a kid. But it just keeps getting stranger and stranger and stranger. And also, one thing I found is the excuse me, geographic location I'm from, Caldwell County, has a fair amount of high strangeness activity, which I was not aware of until I started writing this book. Okay. And what are the major goals you've got for the book? What did you want to bring to people? What did you want to share with how you look at it or suggest how we should look at it and deal with it as a fact of life, especially 
to avoid the pitfalls of what might be dangerous, but also what is empowering and what's delightful about it? Well, okay. So let me answer what's delightful about it. So to me, one of the things I talk about in the book is that it's hard to be depressed when you open yourself up to these wonderments of reality. It's like, wow, there's portals and skinwalkers are coming through and the Pentagon is researching it. It's really hard to be in the doldrums and depressed when you are confronted with that wondrous fact. And as a psychotherapist, I know that we need every we need every chance we can to have a positive mental life. So that is one of the positive things. It's literally just fun sort of researching the mystery and contemplating, wow, there's gnomes, there's Bigfoot, there's UFOs. That's exciting. You, you have to be a really tough crowd, Bruce, to not get excited about that. Well, you, you're, you're, you're talking to a That's delightable person, if I do say so <laughs> myself, man. Tell me some of the some of the your favorite examples uh, that I could relate to, maybe, of high strangeness <laughs> that you can relate to. My favorite example that everyone can relate to, you included, Bruce, is psychic Bigfoot. That is my favorite aspect of high strangeness. <laughs> Never heard of psychic Bigfoot. What is psychic Bigfoot? Okay, so that is as I talk about in the book. There is a subset of Bigfoot researchers who believe Bigfoot has a paranormal dimension. This is contrasted with the mainstream view of Bigfoot, which I call Big Bigfoot, as it were, that believe it's just a undiscovered uh, primate. So the example they use is that the mountain gorilla wasn't known until, say, Please don't quote me. I'm not a mountain gorilla expert. Say the 1920s. It was considered a legend that the villagers were telling people. So this idea that there was a mountain gorilla was not believed. So that is where mainstream Bigfoot reachers come from. One of the things they champion is that Jane Goodall has come out publicly and said the possibility of a North American primate is possible. Now, the high strangest researchers report paranormal abilities with Bigfoot. I like, I like, this is my favorite aspect of high strangeness. Okay. What's an example of paranormal abilities with Bigfoot? Do we have them and we attract, some people attract Bigfoot or does Bigfoot have paranormal abilities? Yes. Bigfoot has paranormal abilities, such as coming to people in dreams, such as telepathy, such as popping in and out of dimensions. How voluminous are the stories documenting that or things like it? There are a fair amount. I mean, not. So here's the thing I can point out with my interest in high strangeness. I'm a, and someone who is who is a high strangeness researcher is a bit of jack of all trades, master of none. So we it's one of the pitfalls for us as high strangest researchers is that we are interested in all aspects of the paranormal ghosts bigfoot ufos whereas in the mainstream approach to this is very stratified whereas 
You'll have a Bigfoot researcher. That's all they do is study Bigfoot. They can give you the statistics. They can give you all of the sightings and the numbers. Just by sheer amount of time and energy, a high strangest researcher is not able to do that. That's a fancy way for me to say, I don't know, Bruce. Okay, sure. No, no, no. <laughs> and what are the, what are your, you know, I, I'm really intrigued to hear more examples and stories about high strangeness, Matt. What do you, what do you got for me? Man, I got a lot of stuff. I don't know where to start, quite honestly. It's, it, <laughs> okay. Where do we start? We can, what? I can tell you about the gnomes I saw. We can tell about gnome legends. There was some psychic Bigfoot stuff. Well, this uh, is all. This is all. This is all in your book, my cosmic trigger, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Well, well, one of the things that you might find interesting for the public is that writing this book and researching this book, I came across an individual who has written the book called The Meadow Project, which is where he found the Souths skinwalker lodge skinwalker ranch it's called the meadow project and this guy named trey hudson so he claims that he has found a, a portal spot a window area in the southern united states that is comparable to skinwalker and there's crazy synchronicities related to that which are so sort of convoluted and mind-blowing that it's hard to explain and i laid it out in the book i know people he encountered at this window area just by sheer happenstance and he also went to the grad he went to the college i went to the university of west georgia which was started by abraham maslow it's a very rare psychology department Am Matt. I making any sense, Bruce? This is where it gets. Oh, hard. you it's are like hard, indeed. It's hard no. where to start. Okay. No, you are, and you're in good hands. With me is Mad Vaughn, <laughs> and I am intrigued about the book he is completing, which will be out in 2024. Early, my cosmic trigger: high strangeness in theory and practice. And now here is important information from TNT Radio. You should hear what George Eliasson is talking about. Donald Trump's wolves. Now, we've talked about the Colorado case, the 14th Amendment case, and the judge has denied uh, the motion to dismiss. Now, if you don't remember, the suit cites the 14th Amendment clause banning those who participate or assist in the insurrection from taking office. And they're making this legal argument based on Trump's actions before and on January 6th. And when they claim that thousands of his supporters were creating an act of sedition at the Capitol. During January 6th, um, Trump actually offered to call the National Guard in. He told the protesters to keep things peaceful. And this is all public knowledge. This isn't a political action. They're trying to control, once again, who can run for the office of president and who cannot. War of the Worlds with George Eliason on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and function. We can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. 
Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This is World Stage. I am Bruce Tatoris, and with me is Matt Vaughn, and we are talking about the book he's completing, My Cosmic Trigger, High Strangeness in Theory and Practice. Matt, in your book, or if it's not in your book, tell me what you know about, I guess, the history of high strangeness. When was it first ever called high strangeness? Talk to me about those things, please. Okay, so the history... We can say high strangeness started with a guy named Charles Fort. Charles Fort was one of the first, if not the very first, paranormal researchers. This is in the 1920s, 1930s. So he coined the term teleportation. He is, you may know of the fog, the frog fall phenomena. Yeah. As a very faint Yes, reality yes. So, of something that actually happened right so he essentially just cataloged going through this Masonian institute and all the, the the he lived in new york city he would go through the library at the time just cataloging weird occurrences and he was the first he's the first high strangeness researcher you might even say High strangeness is not even the correct term. It's more Fortean phenomena, which is, a, some would argue they're a synonym. But Charles Fort is the originator. But John Keel is with who wrote The Mothman Prophecies. There was a, a Richard Gere movie. He is the most modern uh, researcher of high strangeness. What was that last author? John Keel. Okay. And that's uh, how it's documented. Those are Americans you were describing, right? Yes, those are two Americans, yes. Okay, all right. Um, what is the, is there a, is there a most common, well, let me, let me, let me ask a better question. All my life, I've encountered folks who had experienced ghost stories of their own and also who have related to me, Matt, psychic phenomenon psychic experiences um things that fit your definition here uh things that are others would call utterly absurd and i'm very open to what others would call the spiritual dimension or other dimensions and things like that and it's also about i lump it in the, into the phrase of having a spiritual imagination and i know and every educated person knows that these type of things 
are talked about to the beginning of human history and it's not just in the categories of the myths and the legends and the and the and the wives tales so it's under this umbrella that i i'm hearing that's how i'm hearing and catching your uh describing it as as high strangeness um what are the major points takeaways uh challenges that you are weaving into your book so that folks are inspired to learn more about these types of things going forward for the rest of their lives what a, to me one of the challenges is the the synchronicities so you talk about the psychic phenomena the most prevalent occurrence when you start researching high strangeness is synchronicities which sometimes can destabilize people that they're so frequent and also there's when you start researching this so many things start occurring it's really hard to sort of convey the the immensity of it all which i feel i'm perhaps falling prey to here live on you're the fine Earth. okay i'm fine i'll take that fine okay so that is that is the big thing of of high strangeness how to stay sane and make it make these experiences benefit you and benefit your life because it is a cliche that a lot of times people get into this research and all of these synchronicities will destabilize people and they go off the deep end so i am trying to come up with a approach that it benefits our life and enhances us spiritually as you say and i really like that term spiritual imagination that's good right and your subtitle for my cosmic trigger is uh high strangeness in theory and in practice so there you're right that supports what you just said you know you want to uh describe it in a way that they have people can have a handle on it not be not be freaked out so what specifically are your observations after a, a lifetime immersed in an interest in the paranormal well here here i want to throw this out i don't know if it answers the question but i hope so when when you research this it's almost like you start becoming part of the story as a sort of gonzo journalism approach so your your audience may be most interested well i don't want to judge i haven't polled your whole audience the the there's an aspect of high strangeness where uh, i should say the there's an aspect of ufology where they say the secret of the ufo disclosure is their propulsion system which is free energy so this is what dr stephen greer says is the reason it's not disclosed because there's literally it would you won't need oil and fossil fuels that's why it's being kept secret so okay so that's what dr stephen greer says dr stephen greer used to be a emergency room doctor in my hometown which is a very small town so it's very random chance that he was here people used to call my best friend growing up searching for dr stephen greer because my best friend's father's name was stephen greer 
So they would call and ask for the UFO guy. All right. So also, there is a guy that Dr. Stephen Greer talks about, a Dr. Stanley Pons. I don't know if you remember this, Bruce. In 1989, Stanley Pons and Martin Fleischman claimed to have demonstrated cold fusion, which meaning that would solve all of our energy problems. And then the press turned on them and everybody said they were frauds. It was a, a media frenzy. But the thing is, Bruce, Stanley Pons is a family friend of mine, a, a, a friendly friend of my family. His brother was in my parents' wedding and my aunt had a crush on him growing up. So what you find, the deeper you get into this, is you literally start becoming the story. Now, believe it or not, Bruce, I have weirder stories than this, personal connections that I am not prepared to say publicly. So you could use your imagination. Well, those are, those are good enough, especially from <laughs> your point of view. And I hope those stories are in your book. And yeah. I, I I couldn't be more interested, Matt, to hear, you know, a few stories in a row of is it maybe, you know, your greatest, greatest hits. You know, I'm sure you've got so much in your book that you could throw me a few bones, and, you know, and okay. del that, delight well, me with, with some really those, intriguing, you know, stories. Those are my greatest hits. Those are two of my greatest hits. My God being family friends with a guy who invented cold fusion that's pretty good i say also here's an example now this is a nice titillating one i had a face materialize in my room which i talk about yeah, in yeah. the introduction a vase a face a person a face. i had a person materialize in my room i i heard vase like vase no a face okay yeah, a face i had a i had a a face of a person materialized in my room. I was completely sober. It was not late in the night. Now, I had just talking, I had just spoken with a channeled entity, which perhaps is part of the puzzle there, but I'm just sitting there very calmly and a face materializes in my room. That is that is one of my greatest hits. Okay, tell me everything about that. Excuse me, I rewind. <laughs> I, I don't hear people don't tell me they just had a conversation with a channeled entity before they tell me another very interesting story. So talk to me about having <laughs> conversations with channeled entities, please. This Maybe is my life. Bruce. I should, yes. This is my life. I'm well, listening. okay. I'm well. I know you are. Okay, so are you familiar with the channeled entity phenomena where people claim that they channel an entity and talk to it? Yes. Okay, so it was one of those. It was a guy. This this channel and entity is associated with this guy named Bob Dobbs. You were going to ask a question, Bruce? Yes, I was going to clarify my answer. Okay, sorry. I'm familiar with the concept of people speaking or writing because information is being channeled through them. I literally don't think I've heard of anyone having a conversation with a channeled entity, but a friend of mine who's a professional psychic all of her life 
told me about a conversation when she was a little girl that she had with her sister who all of a sudden was speaking with a very different voice with her eyes rolled back in her head. So, right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's one type of channeling. There's what you're referring to is automatic writing. That is one type, but okay. where you sort of, I believe that's called trance channeling what your friend witnessed. That's very scary. I've witnessed that before too. Right. Which I talk about in the book. I've witnessed someone going into trance out of the blue and start channeling a message to me. So you know, in the in the first sentence I read about you, Matt, you know, immersed in shamanistic spiritual practices for three decades. This is what you're talking about. Yes. It's it's okay. so funny, Bruce. It's this is it seems so normal to me because I've been doing it so long, you know. So, okay. I don't, yeah. <laughs> All right, so wait, now, to the face. Wait. Okay, the face. Back, All right. But wait, no, 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 not the face. <laughs> I'm not done with channeled conversations. Okay, okay. The the conversation you had with a, ch you did the channeling, you channeled the entity? No, just, ah. just like your friend, I was with somebody and all of a sudden they went into trance. And it was okay. very noticeable that something was different. They were in a trance and they were saying what they were hearing. Uh, okay. Which what, if you want you... some greatest hits, Bruce, I can hit you with some more details of that. No, no, no. And I'm, you know, I'm distracting you from the face story, but if you don't mind a little <laughs> further exploration, were you having a conversation with this person with the intent of being open to either a spiritual or a high strangeness moment or did it happen un undesired or by surprise to this person by surprise by surprise had it happened before was it a surprise to you or they that they had this kind of experience yes yes it was a surprise it was completely okay. out of the blue were you both adults yes just barely okay have you had has that person had other channeled experiences? Have you witnessed that person having any other channeled experiences? Just one time. And it was, ah, nice segue, Bruce. The only other time I saw them do it is when we talked to that other channeled entity. So they channeled just a bit, and then I saw the face, okay? All right. <laughs> what did the face look like, and was there any interaction with the face? Did it have eyes? Did the face see you? look like it did it was black and white so it was like monochrome color it looked to be say a woman in her 60s she was plump she had some weight on her no offense to the face and she seemed very benevolent she was smiling very benevolent benevolently so i assume that is why i was not freaked out and it seemed so very matter of fact. It was like, wow, I've been studying this all these years. And wow, here's a face occurring, uh, appearing. Uh, okay. But it didn't freak me out or anything. Now, if uh, it was some sort of demon, I guess I would have been freaked out. But she seemed very lovely. Did the other person see the face? No. <laughs> How long did it last? Say 10 seconds, sort of phased in, phased out. Was the face kind of 
Matt, I'm reintroducing you. Matt Vaughn is teaching me about incidents of high strangeness, things that are so uncanny, they are deemed utterly absurd. I have a huge spiritual imagination and a, an in-depth knowledge of much literature and history of all of humanity. So I'm very, very open to these kinds of things. And now here is important information from TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The biggest weather news is what is about to happen in Europe. I saw another one of those pictures of Greta Thunberg protesting today. I guess today is like week 300 or something of the climate strike where kids are allowed to be truant and, uh, you know, to protest climate. But she was all bundled up and I was like, well, wait a minute, looks awfully cold over there. And uh, were there fossil fuels used in the making of those clothes that you have on? But I want to get serious about this. The fact that we are getting such a cold blast that is coming in and this was telegraphed with those big storms and the reason you see what's going on in the weather today is because all the weathermen start screaming and yelling about climate change instead of understanding the same thing happened in 2009 and they went into the deep freeze over there. But it's a serious situation. You know why? Well, first of all, the implications of that is that the United States is going to get very cold. Now, it's cold right now, but I'm talking about what could be really cold weather, severe cold, in the month of January. Because there's probably going to be a lot of snow in the United States during the month of December, especially after the 20th. So what we saw in 2009, 2010 was Europe got it in 2009 in December. And then the U.S. had their famous Snowmageddon. And that occurred later in January and February. It'd be a little bit earlier this year, probably, looking at the overall pattern. But think about this. You're going to get that grid in Europe tested now. And especially Germany. Germany looks like ground zero for the worst weather, the most snow, it's going to be a little bit colder relative to averages up where Greta lives. But Germany is going to be in bad shape here the next 10 to 20 days. But again, then you have to worry about the rest of the winter. You see what I'm saying? So we're going to have some things push come to shove, so to speak, coming up here over the next couple of weeks. And in fact, the next couple of months, because unlike last winter, I don't think this is backing off this year. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bustardi. Asking you to enjoy the weather, it's the only weather you've got. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was going to make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're with Bruce Torres and World Stage on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And with me is Matt Vaughn talking about his upcoming book, My Cosmic Trigger, High Strangeness in Theory and Practice. Matt, simple question. You know I'm very open-minded and on board about all these kind of things, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I, okay, I feel that. Good. I feel that. I feel that. Oh, okay, good. Good, good, good. I didn't want to misinterpret you. Um, these are some of the more intriguing and playful things about being a human on planet Earth, in my opinion. Um, what's on your mind to tell me next, or are you ready for more questions? Mm. Which was a question. <laughs> so to be clear, the channeled entity I talked to, this was, say, you just, you, at the time, this channeled entity, his name's I its names ion you can go to ionandbob.com to learn more about this entity you could you paid a fee you know 100 bucks an hour and you just talk to the entity like a therapy session and then after i was just getting ready to go somewhere laying on my bed and that's when the face appeared and right after the person i did the session with they were just like hey this seems easy to do this channeling business. Let me try it myself. So this was what occurred. Okay. I'll try to be clear here, but I would love more questions. You ask good questions, Bruce. I will endeavor okay. to answer them. The, the conversation you were having with the person who provides the channeled entity, is that how it works? You go to right. someone so some, who... This person goes into a trance, they report. I don't know right. for sure. That's what they report. Right. They go into a trance. They claim they have okay. no knowledge of what is even being spoken. All right. I have a this question person. about the face coming up. Thank you. But the first question is, how rigorous at all was your vetting process before you trusted that this person was in no way, shape, or form a charlatan? Oh, they're a charlatan. <laughs> there are but presumably you're spending time and money with someone you vetted well, enough okay. to be right. uh, secure i would try i would try to answer that i'm trying to use humor to answer my question okay i'm not concerned if this person is or is not a charlatan so i will try to explain okay especially with high strangeness if we get too caught up on oh, we must prove this person is legit. You will be stuck on the first chapter, so to say, Bruce. We're, so, we're going to move on. Let me tell you why we're going to move on, because I'm <laughs> so on board, Matt, because one must ha one has to do things, generally speaking, according to Uncle Bruce here. We have oh, yeah. to do things five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve times before indulging in the privilege of issuing a verdict or judging that was real that was unauthentic right. i liked it i didn't like it so i really i really love your response to that question yeah. now, i don't to want to really little, cut you off please no but let me add a historical uh, notion about that one of the most historically significant channelers is john d and edward kelly so there's a great book called the empire of angels about the impact john d had on western culture john d had a a channel named edward kelly who claimed to channel angels edward kelly was a charlatan that was not a secret however here's the thing just because someone is believing they're conning you this is how strange we're getting with reality maybe they think they're conning you but maybe it is real so dude yeah who knows no. You feel me on that, this, Bruce. All right. I feel you on that as an actor who, you know, did more plays, scenes, et cetera, and classes than 
than I can possibly remember. And in improvisation and pretending to be somebody else, some that's just one example of what you just described, let alone what happens to thousands in meditation, what alone uh, Napoleon Hill documents in his great book, Think and Grow Rich, about imagining a mastermind of your heroes. And um, so I'm, I'm really on board with, cool. with nice. that. What was your impression about the meaning or the message the face intended for you why did she appear to you you know it's really interesting when you have something like that i really until i started writing this book and until i'm talking to you right now here on air i haven't put much thought into it mm-hmm. i asked this channeled entity that we're talking about later i said what was this face this channeled entity in quotes said it was a a almost ascended master so that's what i was told about it this was almost an ascended master okay you're reminding me of my joy of neil donald walsh's book books conversations with god ever read any no but i know of them and i know they're great books they seem to be legit yeah yeah which reminds me of another book i love and i wish i talked about more i used to talk about it all the time called the artist's way by julia cameron do you know it matt yes i do it's a great book yes i recommend it to clients even oh hallelujah um (laughs) all right the floor is yours. Tell me what might occur to you to make sure you tell me before our time is over, or I could ask you some questions. Another question. I love your questions, Bruce. All right. In the context of all these things, Matt, what what's what's reality? What's going on? What's the nature of reality? What what might really, quote unquote, really be going on beyond our uh, five senses experience? Okay, my guess, I would like to put it like that. This is my guess based on a lifetime of research in this book, because I don't know, and I'll be the first to tell you, and I think it is presumptuous for anyone right now with how crazy the world has been to say they definitely know for sure. It appears, based on my best guess, that reality, in order to best understand reality, you we can think of it as a cheap science fiction novel. It is that strange, that weird, that if we want to know the truth of reality, that's where we go. I can't tell you how much I love that because I wrestle with an ingrained habit of taking things too seriously. And you just, uh, you gave me more uh, more juice in my tank or batteries in my flashlight with that one matt really truly um yeah all right so if it's something like if it's best lived as if from with the strategy live it like it's a cheap science fiction novel what's another way of describing that for for in case that doesn't mean anything to anybody that Things are very, very, very strange. Let's put it that way. And I, I really like this idea of humor, if I may, Bruce. 
humor, one of the things that will help people stay, if they do start to research this, to stay grounded, to stay sane, and have this sort of process benefit them psychologically, is to have a good, healthy sense of humor. Now, to talk out of both sides of my mouth, like a good psychotherapist, to contradict myself. Also, one of my criticisms of people who get involved in this is they take it a little too lightly as if it is all a big game. And if you research this enough, you do come across some realities that are, as you had talked about, should we be afraid that lend itself to, yes, that is true. It is dangerous. But let's have fun with it is what I'm saying. Well, you, I'm reminded of how often I see the dance of balancing for, forces in be in human life, just being a human. Um, I think it's a very mystical, magical realm where my intention, moment by moment, really seems to influence exactly not only how I take things, because that's always up to us as individuals, I think, but literally what happens next, not instantly, but maybe in two or three hours, maybe by the end of the day, if I've taken the time to journal, write some thoughts with my morning cup of coffee, which I really love doing every single day for the last 30 years, and I highly recommend it along the lines of that great book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Morning pages. So, morning pages. So, and to, oh, and also what I've gotten out of the dozens, if not hundreds of interviews I've watched of people recounting what happened after they quote unquote died, quote unquote near death experiences. What, what familiarity might you have with any of those, Matt? I don't. Well, I don't have any personal near-death experiences, and I hope to keep it that way. But the person who coined the term near-death experience was a professor at my graduate school. This is getting Raymond. great with your, your one degree of separation from Matt yes. Vaughn. Yeah, who was that fellow? Who was that person? That's Raymond Moody. That's Raymond Moody. Mm -hmm. But... One of the future volumes of this series, I do want to talk about uh, encounters with dead people, ancestors, whatever you want to call them, which I've had a fair amount of that through dreams. As have a number of people I've known and hundreds and thousands who have written about it in books, novels, and diaries over the course of human history. Um it's it's really it really makes life fascinating along the lines that Albert Einstein coached, you know, imagination is more more important than intelligence. And the trick of enjoying life as you get older is to always be able to still look at things with a child's awe, fascination, wonder. And there is a great freedom to be had from knowing we don't we don't have a clue about what's really going on except how am i experiencing this moment right now i'm in conversation with another human being i'm crystal clear on my intention you know it's to listen it's to be courteous respectful and also interested so that we can uh co-create you know a, an enjoyable conversation for you and me matt that's that's what's at stake here 
And what you're talking about is really, it's, it's, it's really, really intriguing. You know, there's some folks who've, who've all their lives, grumpy old men, we mentioned before, you know, or someone else mentioned it recently, who just poo-poo these things out of the gate. Okay. They never have to have an interest or find anything along these lines credible their entire lifetime on this planet and uh, Godspeed, you know. But to those who dig into it, um, where would you, what would you tell me next as we are exploring and celebrating high strangeness? I would tell you to buy my book. This well, we early... can pre-order it. We can pre-order it. <laughs> yes, pre. Yes, thank you, Bruce. Pre-order it on Amazon.com, and when it comes out, please give it five stars, whether you like it or not. <laughs> no, but seriously, <laughs> Bruce. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, and also at Trinday.com because it's a Trinday <laughs> right. title. But That's tell right. me. That's right. But no, I me. would encourage people to get out and research this stuff. Find the. I would imagine if you're listening to this right now and you start researching where you sit at this moment, you would be so surprised of the miraculous, weird things that are there that it would blow your mind. I would bet some money on that, Bruce. And that opens people up to wonder and excitement. And how do you argue against wonder and excitement? And I'll add to that, we see what we look for. That's a spiritual uh, tactic. It's a spiritual credo or motto. And then if when, when a newbie starts doing that, they could spend years and years and years and years thinking and arguing. It's just coincidence. It's just coincidence. Okay. But as those things happen year after year after year after year, uh, you know, I can't, I can't promise anyone would have the same type of wonderful thoughts, insights, or ahas that I've had about these kind of things, but Man, oh man, it just gets really, really interesting. You know, we see what, we, what do you make of this concept, Matt? And in our closing moment or two, minute or two, we see what we look for. What does that mean to someone who has immersed themselves in shamanic spiritual practices their whole life? Well, if we have, as the Bible says, the eyes to see and the, and the, ears to hear we're gonna see a different reality yeah man yeah we are and it's out there if you just look if you just look a little yeah and as a mental health professional how important is it to set your intent toward either generosity or happiness whether it's an intention for yourself or others very important especially in this research you want to have a very Try to set, as you say, Bruce, positive intentions, or else it will backfire on you very quickly. Matt Vaughn can be followed at Linktree slash Matt Vaughn. Linktree's funky. It's got the dot between the TR and the double E of tree, of Linktree uh, slash Matt Vaughn. And we're going to stay in touch, my friend, because I really enjoy talking with you. And Yeah, I loved it, Bruce. I'm, I'm counting it. on... Uh, yeah, no, I'm counting on a lot more about these things because we didn't even scratch this surface. I don't know if I brought it up, you know, like how how could this be empowering? You know, we're gonna do, we're gonna dig into that. So Mad Vaughn, Linktree slash Mad Vaughn, his book coming out in early next year is my cosmic trigger. High strangeness in theory and practice about happening so uncanny they're deemed utterly absurd.